Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Simon Mann and Simon Hughes with you here to talk cricket instead of football, which is just seem to be focusing on everyone's minds at the moment. And the Vitality Blast starting this week, so lots to be excited about, Simon. Well, also, the Indians are here as well. It's a real white ball fest at the moment. I'm actually saying I'm really looking forward to the one-day series between England and India that starts on Thursday week. But the Blast is starting the T20s between India and England. And also, we've got your reaction to our one-day international team that we picked last week, England's one-day team of all time. And I've also got an Indian team. Someone's tweeted me an Indian team, which I think is, is worth reading out and seeing how well we think it would compete against the England side that we picked. And actually, you picked as well. The listeners, you've come back to us with your suggestions. It might be worth starting, Simon, by reminding everyone of the team we picked last week, which is a selection panel. So we weren't, you know, it wasn't every single player, wasn't it, that we all picked, but as a selection panel of three, this is what we came up with. Yeah, you, me and John Embry sat round the table and, and tried to come up with the, the best England one-day team of all time, wondering actually how many of the current side would make yeah. it. And I think only four, because we came up with Triscothic, Bairstow, Gooch, sort of maybe Bairstow at three and Gooch opening, but it doesn't really matter. Root at four, Peterson five, Joss Butler, of course, unanimously at six. Then a real hardcore middle order, or lower middle order of Botham and Flintoff at seven and eight. And John Embry, who various uh, correspondents said interestingly picked himself, but I go along with yeah. that. He was a really miserly spin bowler. And then Adil Rashid and Darren Goff. So only four of the current side that's Bairstow, Root, Butler, and Rashid making it into that all-time England one-day team. Now, you then, the listeners, voted on what you thought. And actually, you've gone along pretty much with our selections. Lots of votes for Mark Triscothic and Johnny Bairstow, interestingly. Not much for Gooch, who only got nine votes. So he's out of the team for the, the public vote. So it's Triscothic, Bairstow, Root at three, KP, 
unanimously pretty much at four. Owen Morgan just shades Ben Stokes at number five. And we, I, I'm thinking about it, thinking about the way Morgan played, certainly when he first came into mm. international cricket. Actually, I think that's fair enough because he was ingenious. Stokes is the man, is, is the coming man in a way, but hasn't perhaps done quite enough in one-day cricket yet. And Morgan did so much to innovate the game when he started. So we're picking him at, at his peak, I suppose. Then Josh Butler at six, you know, you can know nobody's going to argue with that. Both and Flint off seven and eight, nobody really is going to argue with that either. Uh, Adil Rashid gets in because really he's the only mystery spinner England yeah. have ever had that was consistent in one day cricket. Then interestingly, no John Embry, only one vote. That's probably him. He probably uh, <laughs> voted for himself uh, on the. So who we got as the off spinner? Well. So the off spinner is, is, is Graham, Graham Swan. Swan. Well, we did say it was quite tight. We talked about Moen. We talked about Swan. We talked about. John Embry, I just felt that John Embry was a really miserly one-day mm. bowler. I mentioned last week, Graham actually said he didn't really enjoy playing one-day yeah, cricket. He yeah. didn't enjoy one-day internationals. He said, he, I think he said, actually, he's quite, he's like, get rid of them. I just play T20s and Test matches. So you've got to have a bloke in the side who wouldn't even want to play the, the format. Yeah, I, but, but undoubtedly, he, he was a very yeah, valuable one-day cricketer. I mean, probably a lot of people won't have seen John Embry in his pomp because so late 70s, early 80s, and he was an ingenious batsman as well as being a, a clever bowler who bowled brilliantly at the death. And actually, he was a dynamic fielder. He took the most blinding catch off me in a one-day final, I have to say. I mean, we should have been four off Chris Cowdery's bat and he just plucked it out of thin air. That would have been one of the catches of the, of the decade, I think. So, you know, Embry a little bit unlucky, but Swan gets in and Darren Goff absolutely universally as, as the number 11. So yeah. pretty good side, actually, that the, the, the all-time England one-day side. Yeah, I mean, the one person missing for me is, is Ben Stokes. I, mm. I think he is supremely talented. And you're right, in a, in a way, because he's, I suppose, the last year has not been the best of his career so far, uh, that's a bit of an understatement. Then perhaps he's, you know he's he's just on the the wane a bit. But I'm mm. I'm backing him to come back and you know being a certainty for any future England One Day International side. I was at Edgbaston last year for the Champions Trophy match between England and Australia when he played. I thought one of the great One Day innings for against England Australia. against Australia against top class bowling against all those fabulous quicks that they've got that weren't here for the mm. One Day series. It was, a, it was a magnificent innings. Mm, uh, yeah. the, the cleanness of the striking and the destructiveness of it, it was, it was breathtaking. So I have that very strongly in my memory. And I think, you know, how on earth can you leave him out? In a way, I might say, play him instead of Ian Botham. Uh, I know that was a sort of one of those sort of controversial uh, discussions we had last week. And Ian Botham averaging only 23 in one-day international cricket. Decent bowler, decent economy rate, actually. You think of both of them experimenting a lot in test match cricket and, and probably being quite expensive. Decent economy rate in, in one-day cricket. Anyway, I'm not going mean, to... Who, who would you... Ben Stokes is about to come back into the England side now. Who would you pick in, him instead of? Well, the, the, the obvious one, and the one who feels he's under most pressure, is Alex Hales, but he's playing like a god at the moment. And the first one-day international is, a, is at Trent Bridge, where you know, Hales can do no wrong. He... He bats brilliantly there at, at Trent Bridge. I just wonder if David Willey is, is under pressure. It's, a, it's not quite a like-for-like because like, you've got the left arm, mm. well, potential swing of, of Willey opening the bowling. Uh, it'll be a different role for, for Ben Stokes, but I think you've got to get Stokes back in. In, in that England World Cup team next summer... Ben Stokes mm. really has to be in it. I'm not saying he has to be in it for him to win the World Cup, but they're, they're going to 
they've got a much better chance, I think, if he is in it. And they've got to play as many games as possible yeah. leading up to that. To, to well, get he didn't him in. play in the last World Cup, did he? I mean, yeah. they were, and, and he didn't, in a way, he didn't deserve to play in the last World Cup because no, he didn't. His, his form wasn't great. But actually, in mm. retrospect, it probably would have been better just to have tossed him in and gambled with him. Not many votes from the public uh, for our all-time 11 for Alex Hales or uh, Jason Roy, interestingly, and some nice sort of wild cards. One vote for Graham Hick, one vote for Bob Willis. Uh, <laughs> and Fred Truman got a vote Fred as well. Fred Truman got a vote. Well, Fred he Truman played, yeah. never played a one-day international. He played a few one-day games for Yorkshire, didn't yeah. he? But, but no actual internationals. Um, one vote for Alan Knott, Bob Willis, people like that. Liam Plunkett only got one vote. Neil Fairbrother yeah, only he, got one vote. So lots of people... Jonathan Trott was someone we never yeah, mentioned he got, either. He got two votes. Yeah. Tony Gregg actually got yeah. two votes. Or it might have been Ian Gregg, actually. I don't know which Gregg. <laughs> but anyway, uh, overall, I think that there was a solid consensus of those 11 that we've just said. Truscothic, Bairstow, Root, Morgan... Kevin Peterson, Butler, Botham, Flintoff, Rashid, Swan and Goff. I wonder if we did this this time next year or in two years' time or in three years' time, how different that team would be. And what's the Indian team that well, the, Indian the team, man this, has picked? Yeah, this is Rohit uh, uh, Pratap who tweeted me this team. Um, now, how would England get on against this side? Tendulkar and Ganguly to open. Kohli, 35 one-day hundreds. Dravid, Yuvraj, Dhoni... Kapildev, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, Kumble, Kuldeep, who is the young left-arm wrist spinner in the current squad. He's only played 21-day internationals, but hugely promising. And Jasper Bumra, who's a, a very good death bowler. That, that, I mean, that looks a pretty strong side to me. Yeah, very... I don't think the bowling's that good. No. I mean, the batting is, is absolutely awesome. Depends where you're playing it, doesn't it, really? That's the thing. If you're playing it in the subcontinent, that is a, a strong side. You've got three spinners, Yuvraj... Kuldeep and Kumble, you've got Ganguly to bowl a bit as well, and then you've got Kapildev, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar and, and Bumrah to bowl Kumble, Kumble would be a very good yeah. one-day bowler in this era, wouldn't he? Because he was so accurate and he just varied his pace enough. But Kuldeep, inexperienced, I reckon he could go around the park, actually. So, you know, a little bit weak on the on the seam front and, and the spin front, I reckon. But we felt that about the England side as well, didn't yeah, we? That it's, not, it's not a, a really strong England bowling side. I think you look back at the history of England's one-day cricket in terms of the, their bowling, you know, there haven't been that many really stand-out, top-class mm. one-day bowlers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, decent one-day bowlers, but not people you say, oh, my gosh, they got him. You know, they, they, you know like a Malcolm Marsh or something, or Joel Garner. They haven't had those sorts of, mm. of bowlers. By the way, a, a little word here for one vote for Jay Dernbach, <laughs> who, talking of you know different bowlers, bowlers with a, a slightly original style, Jasper Boomer being one, mm. Jay Dernbach was definitely another. He got a bit of a raw deal, I think. He was, in a way, he was slightly ahead of his time, I think, playing for England, and he wasn't quite consistent enough, and he didn't have a, a stop ball. But we're going to hear from him after the break, talking about the new vitality T20 Blast, he's of course the, the new Surrey captain in that tournament and we should move on to, to talking about mm. that, previewing the, the tournament which obviously begins this week with, with a lot of games, every county involved and it's the 16th season of the T20 competition, first introduced in 2003, was at the time flicking through my notes here, called the 2020 Cup yeah. originally and each team only had a, about half a dozen games How times have 
changed and how the competitions moved on. I mean, when it started, each team had five group matches. Now there are 14 group matches, so you have to win, play 17 matches to win the competition. I remember actually being on the radio and being asked about it. You know, when the, when the idea was first floated of a, of a T20 competition, I remember saying at the time, well, if people don't come to watch it, it's pointless playing it. Well, I think it's fair to say that people yeah. have come to watch T20 cricket. And it, yeah. well, it's, it, it's taken over the game. It's, well, it, it's, you're right, because you know, I was speaking to the man in charge of the, the fixture scheduling for the ECB today, Alan Fordham, the former North Ants batsman, very aggressive, excellent batsman, actually. And uh, he says that when he gets the fixture schedule ready for the following season and does the draft, he puts down the international fixtures first because they're obviously the pillar of the season, so the one-day internationals and, and the tests. And then the first thing he puts down from the domestic schedule is the blast. And that, that is the, where is that going to go when it's going to get the most interest and the most public following? Uh, they put that in to the core of the season because it raises the most interest and gets the most people through the gate, nearly a million people. Yeah, I mean, this week, fabulous weather conditions. I suppose it is competing against Wimbledon, it's competing against the, the World Cup, although the, the games are beginning to thin out now in the World Cup. So I have, we have mentioned football, we said we weren't going to mention <laughs> it, but we have. But it, it's sort of competing. But if the weather stays fine, mm. then it's got all the, the ingredients for success. But there is that sort of feeling lurking, you know, that what is going to happen to it in two years' time, when I say what's going to happen to it, you know, that with the new 100 competition, are people still going to have the same interest? Is focus going to shift? Or actually people are going to dig their heels in and say, no, almost go, I'm not going to that 100 competition. I'm going to go to my support my, my local blast team. I think people in the end may well go to both. They'll, there isn't going to be a lot of choice because the blast will happen fairly near the beginning of the season, sort of June, July, and the new tournament will be in August. So actually there'll be sport for choice and they'll be able to go to everything if they can afford it, if they can get the tickets. I, I think the blast will still have its presence. A lot of counties will be able to still have their Thursdays and Friday nights in the year 2020, which is what they've really kind of focused on in the last couple of years and what, what is sustaining the counties like Essex, Sussex, Somerset, Surrey, of course, pretty much selling out at the Oval every uh, T20 match they stage. We in the Cricketer did a preview of this tournament and we featured each county. And one of the things that the Cricketer does is it owns a database which ranks every T20 Mm. domestic player. And what we've done here, actually, is we've added up the rankings and tried to assess the likely favourites on the lowest rankings because the, the lower number you are the higher performing players you have. And the favourites uh, on our rankings are Yorkshire Vikings, who have the most impactful players. And if you look down their list, you can see why they're, they're so dangerous, really. I mean, particularly, I'd pick out Kane Williamson, who's just such a brilliant all-round cricketer and is one of the best ODI players and T20 players around. And they've got the people like Adil Rashid and Liam Plunkett, if available. Joe this is Root, the thing, obviously. though, isn't it? It's if available. That's, that's the problem, is you know, how much of these players are going to be available to them. Where yeah. are Gloucestershire? Where, 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 what, do you, what, what does the creature say about Gloucestershire? Oh, prediction, group stage. Yeah, so, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, their total rankings are over 4,000, whereas... Yorkshire's are under 2,000, and the lower you are, the better you are. Well, let's have a look out for Benny Howell this season. Uh, playing, I like Benny playing Howell. For, playing for Gloucestershire. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would say, oh, I did pick out Gloucestershire there, is that the, 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 
Vitality Blast is it one of those competitions which some of the smaller counties or less fancied counties have, have targeted. Northamptonshire have, have done it in the past. Gloucestershire actually finished top of the South Group in 2016. They didn't then make it to finals day because they lost in the in the quarterfinals. But it is an opportunity to for some of the, the smaller and less fancied counties to target silverware because mm. it's not. I mean, it's a it's such a different sort of game. Actually, if you look at the the history of the of the T20 Cup or the Blast, as it's become known, we've got the 16th year, so 15 years of the Blast, there have been 11 different winners. It's all, it's, there's a sort of democracy there in, in terms of you know, the, the teams that have been successful. And only Glamorgan, Worcestershire, Essex and Derbyshire have not made the final. So all the other counties have at least got to a final Glamorgan, on finals day. Glamorgan, Worcestershire, Essex, Derbyshire. It's surprising Essex, actually, who make such a big success of... Friday nights or Thursday nights at Chelmsford, I would have expected them to have got through before and, and, and made it to the finals. How do they uh, rank this year? Well, not that highly, actually. Coached by uh, Anthony McGrath and their captain, Ryan Tendiscate, who he's an amazingly versatile cricketer who's been at Essex, it seems, forever. But I suppose you know who you get as overseas players is kind of a key to it too and there isn't a massive spread of exciting overseas players in fact I'd pick out the best is probably Sussex who've got Rashid Khan and this is the first year that we've got uh, Afghanistani players taking part and being really valued sufficiently to buy in as an overseas player for for this competition it's an exciting change it is and shows how the game is evolving Rashid Khan, Sussex Mujib Rahman, 17-year-old, playing for Hampshire, and Mohamed Nabi, experienced player, playing for, for Leicestershire. But the, uh, the kind of people that you identify with top T20 tournaments like the IPL, you know, your A.B. de Villiers, your Chris Gale, for instance, they're not present this year. There is Dwayne Bravo, who's available for just six games for Middlesex, but you sort of feel his... Star has waned a little bit with the, the death bowling that he was so skillful at. He's been being smacked around, and I think they're anticipating his slower ball a bit better now. So not quite as star-spangled names mm. in this year's tournament, but maybe that levels up the playing field. Well, although you're saying the playing field's pretty level anyway. Well, well that's right. I mean, one player I might pick out is who I would tip for a successful blast is someone like James Vince, who at that level is an absolute killer. Led Hampshire to the Royal London One Day Cup final victory on on Saturday. Didn't make many runs, but he's you know he made the hundred in that semi final. He was the leading run scorer in the competition in 2015 with with 710. He's in he's in tremendous form. He's someone you know at the moment you'd say that man is in form. He's the sort of player you expect to flourish in. in without the, the huge star names that you're talking about. OK, well, we'll just pause there because it'd be interesting to hear from Jade Dernbach, the Surrey captain, who they may be fear. So we'll talk to him after the break. Welcome back. And we're talking about the Vitality Blast, which, of course, starts this week. And what a transformation, really, in the way that the country approaches T20 compared to when it started in 2003. You find a lot of county teams didn't even put their main one-day players in. They thought it was a bit of a laugh, didn't they? I mean, I remember we had Tim Murta on this show 
few weeks ago saying Sarri didn't really take it that seriously because he was playing for Sarri at the mm. time and he only got a few games because they sort of put a second team out and they rushed through it and, and didn't really focus on it at all. And yeah, they actually won it in the, 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 in the first year. Almost by, by luck rather than judgment. And Steve James saying that down at Glamorgan, when they were considering their season, they didn't even mention T20 of the year it was first played. In terms of people turning up to watch, it did go to a bit of a dip and it's picked up in the last couple of years. The season before last, if you remember, it was played earlier in the season or week by week. Now it's, it's in a block. One thing I've noticed, which is great actually for the game, is just moving around the country in, in London on the way to Old Trafford the other week, actually seeing adverts for the games. Yeah, I was in Earl's Court Station the other day and I saw adverts for Surrey's matches upon a huge billboard and that to me is something new I've seen it before for international matches well Channel 4 did a huge amount actually 10 or 12 years Mm. ago but as you say domestically we haven't seen that although actually I I did um, a couple of years of judging the business of cricket awards which is an ECB thing and it was quite interesting to see some of the social media campaigns that counties did which were quite intricate and quite sophisticated Mm. with you know lots of graphics and CGI and you know, some sort of Star Wars kind of filming and things like that. So, you know, counties are gradually growing into it and they've realised the benefit because people are coming through the gate. So what you're saying, actually, is not much point putting up a billboard. It's better to go through social media because that's where you're going to reach the yeah. potential younger audience who are going to go and watch the games. I think that's right. Uh, but you've obviously got to try and go across the board. And I think one of the things that's made the blast perhaps more attractive is that, you know, you mentioned about it being in a block. And definitely the view in the ECB is that performance is much better when tournaments are in blocks because otherwise players have to change formats all the time and they don't like it and they don't perform as well. You know, there was one season not so long ago, which Alan Fordham told me, there were 50 changes of formats in a season. Now there are seven or eight perhaps, that players have to adjust between different types of game. And that definitely enhances performance. There's one round of championship matches during the the blast, although two counties are actually playing a second championship match because it's the Cheltenham Festival, Gloucestershire are playing Sussex. So two championship matches for those two teams. So they just take a quick break for the for the championship. That would actually be quite weird, wouldn't it, going back to some championship cricket after a big break and then another break and then more championship cricket and then a lot of championship cricket in... September, but I mean, generally, I mean, you, you must have played in the days well, of yeah. Sunday league on a Sunday was, was in the hard. middle of a championship. I mean, match. it was hard actually because you know, you quite often the Sunday league, this is back in the 80s, we had to bowl a short run as well. So you had to bowl a 15 yard run and then suddenly go back on Monday to bowling of your normal run. So it really messed you up. It was, it was an awful thing. And talking of changing formats, the first question actually I asked Jay Dernback was, what's it like going from, say, a county championship match at Scarborough, bowling your 25 overs a day, to suddenly having to bowl four overs in probably spells of one over at a time? For me, the, the, mo- the most difficult thing is actually switching your mind, getting your mind to work at the pace in which T20 runs. So in championship cricket, it's, it, everything happens quite slowly. Everything's pretty much mapped out. You run up, you bowl the same ball, ball after ball. Whereas in T20, you have to think constantly. Every single ball is an event. So to get your mind up to speed is probably the hardest thing, having not any no games or no sort of warm-up games running into the competition. Also, from a bowling point of view, you know, in a championship game, you're probably aiming to bowl consistently on one spot or one area you're attacking the batsman's you know fifth stump or whatever 
suddenly in T20, you're almost bowling six different balls in an over. Yeah, certainly. If the situation um, dictates that, yeah, you certainly you, you, there is there is times where you bowl a different ball every ball. It's then, like I say, it's then it, it's more the understanding when to bowl those balls. So I think the people who are most successful are the ones who know the times and the situations when to change it up. When you're switching from the different codes, your mind's not your mind's not attuned to actually being on the ball straight away. So sometimes actually you find yourself trying too many things too early because you think, oh no, I'm in T20 mode. Well, that, it means I've got to change it up now. If I've been hit for one boundary, I've got to change it up. As opposed to actually sometimes, maybe that's not the case. Maybe that's not necessary. Stick to bowling a hard length and you might, might get lucky. So it's just actually adjusting your mind, like I keep saying, as to what you need to do at the right time. You've been playing T20 now for 13 years, the majority of the time that the T20 has been played in England. Are you surprised at the way it's changed and how has the game changed from when you started? I'm certainly not surprised how it's changed because I think the game, cricket in general, across all formats, has changed dramatically over the years. Um, T20 especially, I think now the fact that you've got specialist players, guys who just focus on T20 cricket, that brings a different element to it. So the strength of players, the shots that they play, how they play, the, the fearless nature of the game is what's certainly changed. You know, guys maybe wouldn't come in from ball one and look to get down and flick you over the keeper for four or six. But that's just that's just a given these days. That's people's roles within the side will come and dictate that they do that. So I guess now, actually, it's kind of gone full circle where anything is possible. So actually, you just go in with a bit of an open mind and expect the unexpected. You'll, you'll look at teams, identify who you think their danger men are, particular areas in which they score, particular, you know, and then if you switch it to the batting side where other teams look to bowl particular bowlers. So we'll get a breakdown of all the stats of how teams generally set up and you'll try and match up as best you can in that sense. Whereas before it would be a case of going, okay, let's have our best 11, take on them, who can hit the ball the furthest and the winner takes all. There's so much more detail that goes into it now, figuring out which bowlers are best suited at which parts of the game, how to change around. Are you open with a spinner because they like pace coming on? All these new things that we have to think about as opposed to just trying to hit it further than someone else. So give me an example. You're playing uh, Middlesex at Lords on Thursday. Say you're bowling at, for example, David Milan. What particular thing? I mean, you, you use a sort of uh, uh, an imaginary example, if you like, but what kind of approach might you take to, say, a batsman like that? And, and how would you prepare for that? So, well, someone like a David Mann who's been very successful in the shorter format, it's something I'd look at as where, where are his areas he looks to target. So where generally will he try and find his boundary? And I will ideally have my two men out to cover off those two. I'm going to try and ask him to play in an area that he's not comfortable playing in. And that's pretty much all you can do. When you've only got two men out in the top six when people play with absolute freedom, You've got to try and cover off where they are strong. Not, not necessarily bowl to it, but try and get them to hit in a different area so that you can maybe then manoeuvre your field, try and get him to come out of his box in a way. What's it like being a bowler in this era where you, know, you could go for 40 or four overs? How do you, how do you deal with that? You, know, you bowl probably 24 of your, of your best deliveries or 18 of your 24 best deliveries and they've gone for 10 and over. How do you deal with that? That's, uh, that's been something I've been... I've been kind of harping on about this for the last three, four, five years, that in, in my opinion, I don't think economy rates are that, are that important anymore. In my opinion, it's how have you managed to affect the game? If I've gone for 40 runs, but I've managed my over that needed to go for 15, only went for 12, well, I've affected the outcome of the game. 
where have I bowled my overs? Have I bowled them at the top? Have I bowled them at the end? What is the what is the par score and where I'm playing? So I think for me as a bowler, I've got to the stage where I'm not that fussed about the economy rates. Have I managed to affect the game for a right result for my team? And if that's the case, well, then I'm winning. I know I'm doing my job for the team because the way people play, the scores that we're seeing in T20 cricket, you know, if, you, if you're constantly worrying about how many runs you're going for, well, then you've got that fear of failure at the end of your mark running up to try and deliver, it, deliver your best skill. At times, you can bowl your best ball and go for six. That's a fact. Guys are that good. I suppose, in a way, wickets are, are, are vital because they can change the game, break partnerships. So, in a way, two for 40 is better than one for 30. It, it certainly is. Again, you'll see guys who might bowl, for argument's sake, three overs, three for 50. People go, oh, he's been, he's been hit around the park today. No, but what three wickets did he take? He may have made my job bowling at the end easier because he's taken the bloke out who's 70 or 30 balls. I get to bowl at a number nine or 10 batter coming in as opposed to him. So he's affected the game for a positive result for the team. Therefore, he's done his job. The fact he's gone at 12 and over, 14 over, is irrelevant. It makes no difference. We've won the game. Do you still enjoy bowling in, in this format? I, I, I do enjoy bowling. The reason I enjoy it a lot more now because of that very reason that we've just been discussing. The job I do for my team, affecting games, is the most important thing for me. When I was certainly playing international cricket and wanting to get back in immediately and everyone watching you, everyone kept harping on about economy, economy, economy. But forgetting where I bowled in games and how whether I was affecting games or not affecting games. So now I have that freedom to go out there, express myself, try and get wickets, try and win games of cricket for my team, and that, that's exciting. Now, you're captain this year. You've had a little bit of experience of captaining Surrey last year in this competition. How are you finding captaining and bowling? It was, it was certainly an eye-opener. Um, I went into it excited at the challenge that I got given the opportunity last year with two games. Um, but it was certainly an eye-opener in terms of how much there is to think about. Um, you know, because I, I, the way I play, how I bowl, I'm very heavily invested in the fixture. So I'm always thinking about how it's going to affect me later on down the line when I come on to bowl at the end. But when I've got to juggle bowlers around, keeping an eye on time, which is really tight, it made it quite a difficult job. But, um, you know, I've got quite a few guys in the side, a lot of senior guys. Gaz is going to be there for me this year. Burnsy will be around to help me through that and, and all those little stumbling blocks I may come across. Are you looking forward to it? I can't wait. Um, we're lucky enough here at the Kier Oval, you know, we sell out pretty much every home game. So when you get to turn up on a Thursday and Friday night and play in front of 24, 25,000 people, it doesn't get much better. Oh, some interesting thoughts there from Jade Dernbach. Who are we going to tip for the T20 this year then? Simon, who are you going for? I am going to go for Hampshire. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a lottery, isn't it? You, you get through your group, you get to the quarter-final or finals day, something can go wrong on the day and it's, it's gone, it slips away from you. But my best guess... I'm going to go for a for a double. It was a double last season. Knots won both white ball competitions last season. I'm going to go for Hampshire as my tip to win the Vitality Blast. OK, well, I'm going to go for Sussex because I just like their bowling attack. I particularly like the combination of Rashid Khan and Jofra Archer, of course, who's a really slippery bowler, did very well in the IPL. And also Timel Mills, if he's fit. I mean, he, bowls, he can bowl mm. rapid. So I like the combination of those, plus a rather smart coach in Jason Gillespie and a, and a, a smart captain too, Luke Wright. So I, I'll, I'll be a, put a bit of money, a bit of fiver on Sussex, and you're going to put a fiver <laughs> really, on Hampshire. Really splashing out. Well, what have the, the cricket have gone for on their, on their stats for Sussex? Oh, prediction runners-up, right? OK, and for Hampshire, 
quarterfinal. It'll probably end up Worcestershire winning it or something like that. But anyway, that, that's, those are well, our... Actually, I hope one of the teams who hasn't won it, Glamorgan, <laughs> Worcestershire, Essex or Derby should do it. But I don't know, they're not... None of them are that strong. Now, what are we going to talk about next week? The Indians are here. We're very excited about the, the, the confrontation between India and England in the next couple of months. We are going to talk about this, the quality of Indian cricket and whether we're about to, well, whether we have entered or are about to enter the era of Indian domination. I don't mean just off the field. Clearly, they dominate the game off the field with their financial power. But they are number one ranked in Test cricket, number two ranked in One Day International cricket, number two ranked in ODI cricket. I mean, they're just about there, but I wonder whether they're going to complete the full set sometime in the near future. Yeah, and they're going to be hard to beat for England, of course, in all formats. Meanwhile, it would be great if you'd leave a review of this podcast on iTunes. Don't forget you can subscribe to the Analyst Inside Cricket so you'll get the programme automatically each week. You just click on the button where it says subscribe. And thanks to everyone who's reviewed or rated this show so far. And if you've enjoyed it, please tell someone you know who might like it as well. Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.